It's been dubbed Brown versus Brown as the Mayor of Auckland and the Transport Minister grapple for control over the Super City's transport direction. It's been a busy first hundred days for Minister Simeon Brown, who's also Minister of Local Government and Minister for Auckland, and who scrapped Auckland's light rail project and then its regional fuel tax. In response, the Mayor, Wayne Brown, no relation, we presume, paused work on remaining projects funded by the regional fuel tax, saying it's not ratepayers' bill to pick up. Then the Minister threatened to legislate. Well, last week, Mayor Wayne Brown told us his hopeful closer collaboration with central government is on the cards. The Minister does agree with me that we need to have a joined up, integrated um, transport system plan for Auckland. That doesn't exist. There are bookloads of plans for this, that and the other, but nothing's been joined up. Nothing has freight and people involved. They're either freight or people. But um, so... The integrated transport plan will be the centre of everything. So if something doesn't make it onto the integrated transport plan, that's bad luck. That will be because it doesn't have particular need or meet cost-benefit analysis. That's Auckland's Mayor Wayne Brown. We talked to him a week ago. The Minister for Auckland and Transport is Simeon Brown. Good morning. Thanks for your time. Good morning. First, could I ask you a question affecting potentially the whole country? What is the plan for more traffic, speed cameras and three times more tickets with responsibility for cameras transferring away from police, Minister? Well, the first thing there is um, the last government put in, put in motion the transfer of operating the uh, speeding, ticket, speeding cameras and all of those other cameras from uh, the police through to NZTA. So that is underway. Um, there's funding in place to increase the number of cameras uh, from 150 to 200. Um, my view is that this um, this project will needs to be about making sure that those additional cameras are in the places where high risk, uh, black spots, uh, real safety evidence that they needs to be to keep people within the speed limit. Um, so that's the priority in terms of the the the, the proposal around increasing that even further. Um, that those are those are quick questions that the NZTA board will need to make. Um, ultimately, it comes down to how much funding is available. But our priority is making sure that it's about um, targeting uh, speed where there is high risk black spots, um, not simply just a revenue collection tool. So it's operational. They determine whether or not over 30 years the number of cameras goes to 800 rather than 200. Well, yes, and also it depends on the um, amount of funding available um, in terms of other priorities that are needed in terms of safety as well. And so, of course, the police play a really important role around road safety. One of our key priorities that we're looking to roll out over this term of government is the oral roadside drug testing as a, as a means to crack down on one of, one of, the, one of the, the areas which is causing more and more deaths on our roads is drugs and alcohol. So there's a range of things that need to be done um, and the board needs to make those, deci- we need to make those decisions. So, so to be clear, are you, saying are, funding from other, are you saying funding from other sources or are you saying the board has oh, so to the, sort the priorities of its own funding? So the, go- the government sets the direction through the government policy statement on transport, which we're currently drafting at the moment. Safety is going to be a really important priority within that um, role of police. Uh, is, is going to be critically important around those high-risk behaviours that we see on our roads and illegal behaviours. Uh, but also NZTA is going to have a role to play in terms of speed cameras, etc. And we want to make sure that um, those cameras that they do decide to put in are put in places where there is a very high-risk um, or black spots, and we need to make sure that they are targeted. Um, this is not just simply a revenue collection tool. So, so will there be some more government direction over that? Because I understand that you are amending that statement in a way that might give government more say over priorities. Uh, well, it is, it is a government policy statement. It does set the priorities um, in terms of what the government wants 
out of the transport system. Safety is, is always one of those key priorities within it um, and will remain a key priority. The police have a really important um, partnership with NZTA, so the New Zealand Transport Agency funds road policing. That's a really important part that they play and that's a lot of the work they do around uh, road policing, drugs and alcohol, um, those are going to be top priorities for this okay. government and, and that direction we see it as part of that okay. government policy statement. So we'll wait to see how you might rejig what's there currently and at the moment I'm not hearing any uh, expectation beyond the move to 200, ca- uh, the 200 cameras at this stage. Let's talk about the $1.2 billion funding hole the cancellation of Auckland's regional fuel tax creates. How do you expect the work programme that that was slated against to be funded? First, it's not a $1.2 billion hole. Um, it is $600 million of revenue that won't be received by Auckland Council because the regional fuel tax was going to end in four years' time anyway. Um, so we're bringing, and it was clearly $150 million a year, so we're bringing that end date forward to 1st of July this year, which will mean $600 million less revenue. Uh, what we've said to Auckland Council and what we've discussed with them is there's $340 million of unspent revenue um, and there'll be more money collected between now and the 1st of July. We want to ensure that goes towards um, key priority projects such as completing the Eastern Busway, City Rail Link trains and stabling, which is really important, uh, and also some local okay. roading improvements. So that's what you uh, want. The, what what, what the Mayor did when can't. he cited what he believes to be a $1.2 billion shortfall over the next four years, what the Mayor said was, I'm going to cancel this other stuff, and actually uh, included in it was the last part of the Eastern Busway, that's when you came in and said, well, we'll legislate, if necessary, yes. to get that finished. Yes, yeah, so the legislation that we are going to be putting into Parliament very soon will um, limit the, the where those remaining funds can go. So the current categories, there's about 14 categories where the money can be spent on. Uh, we're going to limit that down to three. Uh, one of those is the Eastern Busway. The other one's the City Rail Link Trains and Stabling. And the third one is local roading improvement. Is that, uh, quite, a, is that quite a radical move, given you're the, you know, you've come in as a government talking about localism? Is that quite a radical move to actually legislate to require that funding to go to certain projects? Well, well the funding was already, it's, it is legislated. Um, so the legislation was set up to establish the regional fuel tax. Um, no, 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 not the regional fuel tax, but what the remainder of it right. would be spent on. That sounds but, like a quite radical move to say, no, well, if we're, we're going to require you to spend it on these things and not those things. Well, I think what might be radical, actually, is that we promised this as part of the election campaign. Uh, we campaigned on it, people voted for it, and we're delivering it. And so we're keeping our promises. That might sound radical, uh, but that's exactly what we were elected to do. And by the way, I think 56% of Aucklanders voted for the coalition party. So we are delivering on our promises to Aucklanders, um, and that is, uh, and as we go through this process, we want to ensure that those remaining funds go towards projects okay. which are jointly priorities between us and Auckland Council. Which, by the way, I think the Mayor probably agrees with. Now, there's a little bit of theatre going on between the two of you, and I'd like to park it, because there's some pretty important things to see whether or not you may end up on the same page over them. Mm. What he wants for the council is more control over transport priorities and initiatives and that's relative to Auckland Transport. The council's you know, controlled uh, uh, organisation, interesting word there, right, which currently has the legislated powers. You're talking about a third of the council's expenditure. Are you of a mind to change that legislation to rebalance where that decision-making power lies? 
Yes, and, and I, I think the context of the relationship between um, myself and the mayor, we have a very positive working relationship. There's obviously areas we disagree on, but we actually get on very well, and I think that's really important for me to state that. And we're working together on a range of different issues at the moment. In terms of the particular issue, in terms of the regional land transport plan, who sets it, um, currently, as you say, Auckland Transport effectively sets that. I think they have to consult with the governing body. Um, that is an area which we are going to look at as to what changes are needed there to give the council more control over Auckland Transport. I don't think there's many people in Auckland who say um, who have a, who think Auckland Transport is actually um, really delivering uh, for them. There's uh, a range of criticisms that it can easily be made about that organisation. Um, they're doing a lot of good things at the same time, but there is a fundamental question here which I do agree that needs to be answered and we are going to work through with the mayor is should the regional land transport plan be set by the council, the people who are elected, or by the Auckland Transport Board? And so we've agreed a work programme around examining that question, looking at what legislative changes might be needed to give Auckland Council some more powers around setting that, uh, and we'll work through that with the council um, in the coming months. As things stand now, do you lean towards shifting the onus towards the council away from AT? Uh, I think the council does need to have more say over Auckland Transport and the decisions it makes. Um, we obviously need to work through that in a, in a, in a sensible way to make sure that um, what we what we what changes may be put forward uh, uh, work work appropriately. Um, but I also think Auckland Council needs to ensure that it it um, it uses its levers uh, that it does have um, effectively as well. So they have uh, two critical levers around the Auckland Transport Board. One is who they appoint. Uh, to that board, and secondly, um, the letters of expectation that they set. And I know Wayne Brown has the mayor has been um, using both of those levers, um, and that is those are legislated levers that they need to be using. Or just like I have levers around New Zealand, the New Zealand Transport Agency, who's on the board, the government policy statement on transport. It's critically important the council utilises its current levers appropriately as well. How do you stop a seesawing under different political persuasions and different councils? We've seen the state of some of those around the country. How do you involve a seesawing of decision-making over what are obviously expensive and long-term plans? Yeah, well, this is right. I also agree with um, the Mayor. We do need to have a integrated transport plan for Auckland. Um, we had one, uh, it was called the Auckland Transport Alignment Project when National was last in government, uh, set that long-term direction, uh, the pipeline of projects, how it was going to be funded, uh, and, I th- and I agree with him, it needs to include the movement of people and the movement of freight. So there's a piece of work that we will be, um, will be putting in motion this year around, uh, around that plan because it is important that central government and local government are working really well together in our okay. biggest city to, to have that, that plan in place. Your government's criticised... So this piece is broken out as we thought it might have behind the scenes. Uh, your government's criticised its predecessor at the weekend um, for an alleged, I think it was a couple of hundred billion worth of unfunded transport projects. What's the unfunded total for projects your government wants to do? Well, as we outlined, $200 billion um, of projects and a lot of announcements, we're working through the government policy statement on transport, which will set the direction. And what I'd say to, to you and your listeners is that we need to be open to a range of new funding and financing tools, which the last government um, didn't utilise in transport and in other areas, in order to actually enable investment in infrastructure in New Zealand. And so um, we campaigned on the need for value capture tools to be made available, greater use of toll, tolling on new roads um, to help pay for the infrastructure cost and the maintenance cost of those uh, pieces of infrastructure. Um, public-private partnerships are going to play a role. 
build, own, operate transfer models, which have been very successful overseas around um, enabling and building infrastructure. Those are the type of tools okay. that we need to bring to the table, alongside traditional tools such as um, making sure that uh, the National Land Transport Fund has been utilised appropriately to get to the right. delivery. Right, and these, we're talking primarily about roads for most of these projects, right? Roads, bridges. Uh, roads, public transport um, and rail is all, is all, is all important. What's on, what's um, on your agenda on rail? Because I've heard several things already confirmed. The Roads of National Significance is back on track, for example. Four-lane highway, Whangarei to Auckland is, is, uh, is uh, confirmed, uh, as I understand it, though not funded yet. So what, what by means of rail, is uh, on your agenda? Well, I think, I mean, first, National's had a, a strong track record when it comes to rail, particularly uh, in Auckland, where we started the City Rail Link and we're going to complete it. Uh, it's going to play a significant role in terms of doubling the capacity of the metro rail system in Auckland. Uh, that's a that's a generational investment, and it's going to substantially. Okay, so it'd be, be strange not to complete it at this stage. But what what else? What by means of new initiatives? Uh, we also want to see that we also want to ensure that we're making sure that the, the freight network is operating uh, as efficiently as possible. And I think there's some great opportunities in the Golden Triangle to increase uh, and to ensure that's supported. Uh, we also want to make sure that, but we do it. You know, we also want to make sure that it, there's value for money um, from that investment. The last government's put billions of dollars into our rail network. We haven't seen necessary, the necessary increases in the amount of freight actually being moved by Kiwi Rail. And so at the same time, we want to see the efficiencies um, from that investment okay. come flow through uh, into into that network. In December, you prioritised the link between Auckland and Northland, that besieged Bredouin Hills a site you called Broken. Yes. What is the fix? I think there's two proposals now for a, a, a four-lane highway alternative. I'm presuming you are looking at that. Uh, yes. When... When will these people get an answer on which project and, and how long? Yeah, well, the frustrating thing for, for Northlanders is that when the last government came to office, they, they put an end to any planning around... Yeah, they've gone. Community. You're in. So, so yes, when? No, I'm just saying we've had yeah. six years and there's been no work done uh, on that particular... So we're having to start that piece of work again around the route uh, in terms of bypassing the Brindouins. NZTA is already looking at options around that. Um, in the coalition agreement with New Zealand First, we've also said that we should be looking at different ways of funding that, maybe including private fun, finan- financing and funding. So everything's on the table around delivering that as quickly as possible. But that we're talking really, years, listening to that. We're talking years. Uh, well, y- there will be years. It will take time to do those things. But I'm also conscious that the work that NZTA is doing to upgrade the Brindouins at the moment will only allow seven to ten years' worth of life into okay. that uh, part of the network. So the message is very clear. This is this is a top priority for the agency. Uh, we're also working at pace to put in place fast-tracking consenting legislation so that um, national and regionally significant infrastructure is able to be consented a lot faster so we can move to the delivery phase as quickly as possible. I know I've got to let you go shortly. I want to get a couple of questions with your local government hat on, please, on the replacement for what was Three Waters. And particularly this issue that really gets to the nub of things. What advice do you have that the government's, the new government's proposal for new council-owned entities will enable balance sheet separation from councils? Yeah, well, the, the department's been working with um, the, the rating agencies throughout uh, for the last number of years. And the advice is that there's a range of ways in terms of achieving financial sustainability uh, to ensure that councils are able to get that off-balance sheet separation or they're able to 
um, get greater borrowings into their water for their water infrastructure. Um, so we're working we're working at pace around uh, that implementation of that model. But there's a range of ways that that can be achieved. Can, can, can you um, elaborate? Because at, at the moment, it's hard to understand. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm conscious of your time. I'm, I'm, it's hard to understand how councils, many of which are close to debt limits, would own uh, these companies and how that could then be considered genuine balance sheet separation. What are the other means? Does the, will the, the central government have to act as some kind of guarantor? What are the other means by which... Well, there's, there's ways in which councils can dilute their ownership through um, setting up regional council-controlled organisations. We think that's going to be the model that many councils will pursue, um, sort of dilute their ownership. Um, by working together, they're able to then achieve economies of scale. We want to see financial sustainability, which means revenues are ring-fenced uh, into those entities. Uh, we want to see that they're focused on... Um, good asset management plans. Uh, we're going to make sure that there's good economic regulation so that the uh, the investment is affordable over a long period okay. of time. Uh, and so those are the type of uh, that's the, that's the type of model we're working to. Is what councils uh, that's one of, that's is what councils asked for when the last government was going through their reforms, uh, but they instead decided to mandate their model across all but, councils. But the last question is: apart from the orphan councils, we'll park those. You'll have may have to require them to be taken into some of these larger collaborations because no one will want to touch them. But the final question is: do you have assurance that your plan under any of the models you're looking at will guarantee the ratings agencies, the lenders, will accept it as balance sheet separation? Yeah, well, as I said, there's a range of ways that, that can be achieved. Okay. Um, and in terms of the way they approach those conversations, we're looking at a range so, of factors. So, so they're not guaranteed. They're not guaranteed. They're going to have to approach. The, they're going to have to have the conversation. They're going to have to make their case. But there's no assurance that it's going to be accepted by the markets. Well, the reality is that the, the, the department has been working alongside the um, the rating agencies for some time. Um, they've had many conversations around the, the model that we're putting forward. Uh, we're working through. Um, we're working through implementing that so that councils have the tools. We want to make sure that council-controlled organisations are able to be separate from councils, that those ownerships are able to be diluted. Uh, and so that, and there's also revenue sufficiency and ring-fence revenues, which are all critical components to achieving financial independence. Revenue efficiency rate. means a return on investment through what? Water charges? Well, that's actually... Well, it may be that, um, you know, uh, more councils are going to have to look at putting in place um, water measurement um, at, at, for, for customers so they're able to charge for use. Those are the type of things that councils are going to have to look at. I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you for making time for it. Simeon Brown is the Minister for Auckland and the Transport Minister and the Minister for Local Government.